Hey friends, over the next few months, I will be interviewing unique people who have great ideas on how to make radical changes in America's eating habits, boost awareness of our environment, and contribute to the economic health of our country. This is Meryl Kennedy, and this is my podcast. Holly, I'm so excited about hosting you on Rise Up Your Bowl. You can't even imagine, um, as I've told you, Rise Up Your Bowl is kind of my new adventure into the podcast world to tell a little bit about how we can eat a little bit healthier, but also just encourage people each and every day. So I couldn't think of anyone better than my sister-in-law, Holly, Holly Farr, to talk to about motherhood, about our adventures together, both having children around the same age. And I'm just um, so proud to have you here with me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so proud of you for starting this podcast and trying to spread a healthier lifestyle. I'm all for it. Well, thank you. So many of you don't know, but um, Holly and I actually have children almost the exact same age. So our, our kids are one month apart. So it was extremely fun to be pregnant with my sister-in-law and really a super adventure. Um, but Holly had a really, really tough birth experience. And I, Holly, I, I really just want you to kind of share a little bit about your story um, to the audience today to give them a little bit of perspective. Okay. Um, well, I've kind of always wanted to be a mom. That's just in my blood. That was something that I could never wait to get in my life. And so um, when I became pregnant, I was so thrilled. I was so blessed, I felt. Um, and, you know, had several ultrasounds, everything was fine, you know, and then the day um, that my son was born, it was an emergency C-section because I was induced and that wasn't going very well. So we had an emergency C-section and when they pulled him out, he was crying, but no sound was coming out. You could see in his face that he was making a crying face, but there was no sound. And so they just kind of thought that there was fluid in there. So they were suctioning out all of the fluid. And then, you know, thankfully everything happens for a reason. And I, I had the C-section. And um, so the whole NICU team was already in the OR with us and um, all of the doctors and everything. So they kept trying to get a breathing tube down and they couldn't. And so they were just like bagging him with oxygen for a while and then like another person would take a turn and try to get the breathing tube down and they were just like hitting something and it, it wouldn't go down. And so a few minutes later, they transferred him up to the NICU and um, my husband, Patrick, went with him. Um, and I obviously had no idea what was going on. I'm just laying there on the table as they're sewing me back up and I'm just like, what is happening? Um, and about an hour of that constant bagging, trying to get someone else to get the breathing tube down. Just so many doctors and nurses kept trying and trying and trying and, you know, it, it never worked. Finally, the ENT came in and they um, put him under and he got a trach. And what happened was his vocal cords were fused like 99% together. So your vocal cords are supposed to look like this and his were like this. And so your vocal cords are where you breathe. And so that's why there was no sound or breath coming in or out. Um, 
So it was a really rough introduction into motherhood. And um, for the first, I would say it was pretty horrible. Um, Yeah. So the first several days, we didn't think he was going to remarkable as a mother. Well, as your first, thank you. As your first child and first experience into motherhood. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, Holly's being nice here, but it was it was really a really scary time for all of us, including her and the entire family. So I think, Mm -hmm. um, it was, you know, obviously that was extremely traumatic experience, but I think what's so remarkable about you, Holly, and why I admire you so much, not only just my sister-in-law, but as my friend is what you did after that, like how you reacted. You're going to make me cry. Please don't. (laughs) Well, Um, it's true. And, um, you know, I think that that attachment is what motherhood is a little bit about, right? Which is why mm. I wanted to focus this one on motherhood because you don't know um, what kind of attachment that really means. It's, it's like having an organ outside your body, right? And totally. Um, once they get here, you don't have any control of that organ, right? You do all these no. things while they're pregnant. And Holly, for everybody listening, Holly was the perfect pregnant woman, you know? She was doing everything right. She doesn't talk about that, but, um, Oh, everything. I ate healthy. I never had a sip of alcohol. I didn't go around any kind of people that were smoking or, you know, I did everything that you're supposed to do. So, you know, it just happens. And we didn't think he was going to make it for, you know, about a week. And then here he is almost three and he's a perfect little three-year-old, you know? So, um, the trach life was definitely very, very, very challenging. So for the first 16 months of his life, he had the trach and then, you know, several surgeries. He's, he's been under anesthesia 10 times in his little life so far. So, um, that was really hard, but I think, you know, you, when you become a parent, you, you put on these hats that you just didn't even know that you could ever wear. Um, you know, Patrick and I both became 100% nurse caregivers. Yeah. And understand now so much of the medical world, you know, because it was just thrown at us and that was never something that I was interested in. And now I have so much respect for everyone in the medical field and, you know, walking into the children's hospital is just, I'm so amazed every time at the people that work there and at every hospital, but like, especially with children, it's like, you've chosen to, to do this, like try to help children every, it's just remarkable, honestly. Who do you think during that time was kind of your, I mean, you talk about the doctors and those, but things, but who was the biggest influence or the biggest, um, advocate maybe for Rio during that time, as far as all the medical team around Mm -hmm. you? Honestly, I I feel like there's so many, I mean, including the doctors and everything that did his surgeries. And, you know, those people will always have the biggest place in my heart. But I think that Patrick honestly was like, you don't know how, you don't know how you'll react to a tragedy until a tragedy happens to you. And it was very, very traumatic. And even whenever we were first in the hospital, very unsure about if Rio was going to make it and everything like, he just like put those pants on and was like, took charge. You know, he, he wouldn't let anybody come into the room if they were going to cry. He, you know, he just, he really became my rock. And I 
you know, we've never had that dynamic because that was never needed. And it was just really amazing to see him step into that role for me because I couldn't handle anything like, which I'm not typically that, like I typically can handle things. And in that moment, I couldn't talk to anybody. I didn't want to have conversations with people. I didn't want anybody to ask me what was going on because I didn't understand. And, you know, he was just really, really good with communicating with our family and friends and letting everybody know what was happening and doing all of the things that I could not do. He is a super dad. Um, yeah, better word, but he really was phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. and so strong. So I can imagine how supportive that, you know, you needed that support system around you. And, um, one thing that I thought was just phenomenal about what you did. And I feel like, um, you know, other mothers should hear this too, but Holly took breastfeeding to a whole nother level. (laughs) And, and as she explained, you know, there was oxygen that was cut off to Rio's brain for a long time. And so now he's fully functional three-year-old. And I actually attribute a lot of that to your lifestyle, what you were eating, how you were breastfeeding Mm -hmm. him, how long you breastfed him. Mm -hmm. Um, some people might put that on a little bit of quacky, but I really do believe in, in the nutrition of breast milk and that you were born to produce the best food for your baby. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about that journey. Cause I know that was not easy either. Yeah, that was very hard. That was very hard because for the first several weeks, um, like he had a feeding tube, so we couldn't even attempt a bottle or a breast, you know, at that point. And so, um, every four, three to four hours I was pumping, um, waking up in the middle of the night, um, freezing my milk or putting it in the fridge, bringing it to the hospital, you know, while at the hospital, I'd go to the pumping room and like pump there. And so it was really every like three and a half hours. Cause it'd be like, the start time to start time and I'd pump for 25 minutes. And so I pumped a lot, a lot, a lot, is the right a word. lot, a lot, a lot. And I think that I was dead set on breastfeeding before I had him. And then I remember I was really out of it, but then someone came in probably like 14 or 15 hours after I had him just to kind of say like, Hey, if you, if you're interested in, in breastfeeding, you might want to start pumping. And I thought I, I kind of got scared. Cause I was like, well, how long do I have? And they were like, well, basically like 17 hours or I can't remember exactly. But, and so I was just like panicked. Cause like, Oh my God, did I miss like, my window? Like I missed it. I missed it. Like I'm yeah. not going to be able to breastfeed. And like, then it just like kicked in and I was like, no, get me a, like, get it. Tell me what to do. Like, how do I do it? And so, you know, they had someone come in and a lactation consultant telling me what to do. And I was just dead set on it. And it was very, very, very challenging, um, for a while. And then, you know, I then started to produce so much that then I would get like all of the clogs and it was painful and it was, you know, all of these things. And I just remember Patrick being like, listen, if this is too much, like, it's okay. You don't have to do this. And I was like, no, like my son needs it. I just, I think that's what kept me going. Cause I was just like, he's in the hospital. Like if this is, maybe it's helping, maybe it's not, but I believe that it is. And so something I, I can just, do. 
something I can do. It's the only thing that I can do and have control over. So I think that really helped me with continuing. Yeah. And then finally he, you know, while he was still in the hospital, they had nurses helping me once he was bottle feeding. And then they helped me with um, breastfeeding. And I'm very, very grateful to lactation consultants because breastfeeding is not, it's not, it just doesn't come. Like it's not as easy as people want to believe it is, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Very hard. And so, but once you have it, it's easy. Once you, you know, once you have it figured out, it's easy. And it's, I think really, really great for our kids. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And many people don't know, but um, my daughter had some allergy problems and I had weaned too early. And so Holly actually fed my daughter too, which was huge blessing in my life. Um, but overnighted frozen milk, overnighted frozen milk. Uh, I sent it to someone else too. That was, that had a friend that has an adopted child. She wanted breast milk for him. And so I flew some to to her too. Well, I just think that that's a beautiful story because, um, breastfeeding is definitely undervalued and it is Mm -hmm. not an easy journey. And so I think it's extremely, um, important, but you know, I want to ask you a little bit, you know, as mothers of young toddlers, we know firsthand how hard it is to have this like healthy lifestyle, right. And to eat healthy. So what do you do, you know, to stay fit or what do you think of when you think of a healthy lifestyle for yourself? Well, for me, you know, I think that eating healthy is the biggest thing. Um, I work out, but I wouldn't say I work out consistently or enough. Um, but you know, I read a lot of labels whenever I go to the store, I try not to buy things that are not good. I don't, I mean, it's a treat whenever Rio gets like cookies or something, you know, that's not something that's just an everyday thing that he gets to have. Um, I also didn't give him any sugar until for sure after one. Um, and I just think that not allowing that to really be in our home where he can, it's in our home. It's just not visible. Um, (laughs) but you know, cause that's all he would want if he could see it. So Mm -hmm. I try to do that, but we also cook a lot. And I think that's also really important to try to do if, if you're able, because I think that knowing what's going into your food and what ingredients you're putting in your food really helps. Um, you know, but it gets, it's hard whenever you're like in a habit of eating out, which we all get into those habits. And then, you know, it's hard to get back in to the habits of cooking, but I feel like cooking is a big, um, thing for us and how we try to stay healthy. Well, I agree. I mean, I think that the more, you know, about what you put in your body, the, you know, the healthier you can be right. So you can make wiser choices, um, sometimes when you go out to eat, you really, even if you choose healthy options, sometimes you don't know what it's cooked in and those kind of things, Sure. but mm-hmm. I do feel like you are the winner of all awards for toddler healthy options. <laughs> so give me, give me a few, like, um, of the things that you feed Rio on a daily basis, because I'm like, sometimes I'm like, Oh, wow. I should have thought about that. Why did I not think about that? I don't know. I don't know if he's the healthiest toddler, um, cause he does love like the, the like toddler bars and the strawberry bars and all of those things. But I try to get the ones that are at least like organic or the, you know, ones that have healthier ingredients, less, 
Yeah. Healthier yes. ingredients. Less and sugar. I always keep tons of fruit, tons of fruit, because that's all he wants all day. If, <laughs> if I could, if he could just have one thing, it would be berries and bananas. Um, I was going to say watermelon. Fruit. Oh, and watermelon. Oh my God. He loves watermelon. Uh, so we, we do a lot of that. And then, you know, he, he loves fish. We, we do a lot of salmon and rice and veggies. That's a very popular dish in our house. Um, so, you know, luckily he likes that type of stuff. He loves like olives, which I don't even like, you know, he likes, he likes some kind of weird stuff. Um, he loves nuts, all types of nuts. So that that's good. But, you know, he also has like, the frozen pancakes and waffles and stuff for breakfast sometimes, or we'll make pancakes for breakfast or whatever. I think it's all about balance and, you know, trying to stay on a path that makes them know that like, you know, you can have these things, but we also have this, you know, it's all moderation, I think. Well, I think what's important is to just continue to give them offerings. Right. So yes, the so many times, and I was um, very guilty of this with my first son, but it's like, oh, well, a child won't like an olive, mm-hmm. right? And, but you never offered it to them. So you don't really right. know, right? And so, sure. or just because you don't like certain foods, not offering them certain foods. So I've tried to make it a habit, you know, as long as it's not something that I feel like they're going to choke or a choking hazard, mm-hmm. I can cut it enough, then why not? And if they say no one time, then that's fine. But then you offer it again, right? So it's just a constant, it is sometimes challenging because- they do tend to be picky at times, but Oh um, yes, definitely. Definitely. But I think it's just a matter of giving them healthier options so that they can and always having wiser. it on their plate. Right. That's right. right. Make and, wiser you know, I follow all of these people on Instagram, you know, like about toddler eating and this and that. And one thing that consistently comes up is like, continue to put the squash on their plate. They may not eat it and don't make a big deal out of it. Just yeah. put it on their plate. And if they eat it, they eat it, but they're introduced to it. So they know that it's there and, you know, just always do that. And so I always try to do that. And if he eats it, he eats it, which a lot of times he does kind of try things, but a lot of times he doesn't. Yeah. So, and that's okay. And I think that, you know, the other very important thing that I had to stress to Patrick was don't tell him, no, I don't think you're going to like this. Mm-hmm. you know, and we're all guilty wise. of that. But I read it once and I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Of course you don't say that to them. Cause then of course they're not going to like it. Yeah. You know, just because you don't like it again. Right. Or, or just because you think they're not going to like the olive, because that does seem kind of a strange thing for a two year old yeah. to eat. Doesn't necessarily, mm-hmm. they mean they won't like it. So, sure. um, yeah, I'm totally with you. I think, um, I think the more, you know, you make food and normalize food, good food, mm-hmm. right? The more you have it available, um, the more you eat what they eat. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that you're wonderful at that too. I try to strive to be like that, but feed yourself what you feed your kids. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to eat, you know, chicken nuggets every day? Probably not, right? So right. Right. I think that that's, that's really like probably the biggest foundation blocks, but you know, I, I have to say, you know, it's so nice. My, my sister and brother-in-law being rice lovers like myself. Right. But you were rice lovers before I knew you. So yes, I just want to ask you, you know, how do you weave rice into kind of a healthy lifestyle? 
Um, you and Patrick are always kind of cooking a pot of rice, mm-hmm. you know, and creating really unique meals with it. Sometimes I'm like, wow, why did I not think of that? So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about, about that. Well, first of all, I'm from Southern Louisiana and there's rice with everything. Um, so I grew up always eating rice. Rice was everything. I think the way that I grew up eating it is very different from how I eat it now because, you know, there's a very, very popular dish in Southern Louisiana called rice and gravy. I've made it for you before. Um, but it's basically just white rice. And on top, it's like a smothered chicken or pork or whatever type of meat you want to do. <laughs> Good. It's actually, I, I don't make it too bad because what I do is I basically like for chicken, for example, I'll just take the chicken and I I cook it really, really well in the pot, like a, oh, like yeah. a, um, okay. like a Lake Crusade like type pot. Okay. And I just brown it really, really well. And then I take it out and then I put onions and bell peppers and garlic in, and I scrape off all of the stuff at the bottom. And then okay. once the onions and bell peppers are sauteed, I put the meat back in and then I put like chicken broth or beef broth or whatever inside. And then I cover that up and I bake it for a little while. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the time there's like, they make it more of like a roux with like flour. Yeah. About to say, you're not adding any flour into yours. I I do sometimes just to thicken it a little, but it's not a lot. So sometimes it's just a little thinner than the typical. What we think of rice and gravy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but you know, it's so delicious. And then you just serve that over the rice. And that's something that I grew up on. That was my favorite meal. It still is. And now I make it, but I make it a little healthier than probably what I get at all of my lunch spots in Lafayette, Louisiana, you know? Um, no, that, that actually sounds kind of amazing, but it's so good. Yeah. You know, I think that that's the thing about rice is you can be extremely creative with it. Right. And it can be it can be a really nice way to add healthy options, right. To bring flavor to meals. Um, and, and rice absolutely keeps you fuller longer. Right. So it allows Mm. you to eat a little bit less too. Um, just last night I just had rice and peas that I had made and vegetables and I felt great. Yes. Um, And that's what I was saying is like growing up there and having rice and gravy as the main dish or meal that you eat, whenever Patrick and I, you know, moved out to California or I don't remember at what point, but like at one point someone tried to serve me white rice as the side. And I was like, where's the gravy? Where's the gravy? I I don't understand. And now, I mean, I eat it with my salmon or my vegetables or whatever. And it's just like part of my meal. I mean, we probably have rice with almost every dinner that we make as just a side. And sometimes it's white rice and sometimes it's, you know, with the gravy or whatever, but I think it's so versatile and every culture, every, it's just, I feel like everything that we order, if we order Thai food, if we order Indian food, if we order Haitian food, like it doesn't matter that it all has rice. So I feel like we eat a lot of rice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's, it's always fun to meet another rice lover and it rice does allow you to be creative and to yes. really cook a lot of different cuisines, right? Because most cultures, rice is kind of the foundation of the culture and it's yes. part of kind of this, 
beautiful tapestry of life and family and and eating um, at home and feeding your family. So Holly, I just want to tell you, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing your story as a mother. Thank you for helping me celebrate Mother's Day. I love being a mother with you and sharing. Yes, it's the best. Sharing in that experience. And so I love you very much. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you.